We're unabashedly obsessed We've got to get it off our chest Please sit there and be quiet Hey everyone! Hello! Welcome to Unabashedly Obsessed. I'm James. I'm Erin. And on our show, we like to talk about things related to uh, pop culture. And not-so-pop culture. This week, we're going to be talking about something related to, I think, pop culture of like 50 years ago. I was going to say sort of? Yeah. Um, You guys remember right before PodCon when James read that bonkers time travel story about the guy who was his own mother? Right. Uh, so that guy, that author, wrote other books too. And uh, the author's the author is Robert Heinlein, Robert A. Heinlein on the on this book. Um, he in high school there were. Um, do you remember Stuart? He was friend. He and his friend that that they both got me. I don't remember what his friend's name was, which is sort of too bad, but sort of not. Um, they got me into um, Bad Religion, the um, the band. Okay. They also tried to get me into Heinlein because they were like, you will love him, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And they lent me a book and I was just like, people lending me books in high school was a mistake. Yeah. But so anyways, I read a Heinlein book for this show. Uh-huh. And I, and, what is uh, it called? Well, it's called The Door Into Summer. It was published in 1957. Okay. 56 maybe. Copyrights are weird. Um, it has both copyright 57 by Robert A. Heinlein and 56 by Fantasy House Inc. Oh, I wonder if it was... If he published it in a magazine first and then published it himself. Or he may the... have published an... Like, it may have started as a short story that he published in a magazine. Yeah. Or possibly he published it... Like, the publisher had the rights to it. And right. then once it did well, he got the rights to it to re-release it. Right. Under his own name. Who knows? Copyrights are weird. Copyrights are weird. As you have already said. Um, So this book was mentioned in the same sentence as All You Zombies uh, in the introduction to the the best uh, time travel stories of the 20th century. I have... So I put this on my Amazon list to, to get, but after I read All You Zombies, I decided to see if it was available at the library. Probably a good call. And it was. Um, so I read it. Um, it will be telling to the listener that I then decided for you that probably you didn't need to read it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So because he was like, so it's short. It's. it's I was been- like, should I even read this? Like, am I going to hate this? Am I going to be able to finish it? And he's like, maybe I just tell you about it. Yeah. It's less than 300 pages. By nine pages. <laughs> and, um, okay, so I, I'd sort of like to just tell you about what it's about. Yes. Um, there are parts that I'd like to get your thoughts on. Okay. The first thing I'd like to do is read you the first sentence of the book to let you know what I waded into. Okay, go for so it. So this is the first sentence of Robert A. Heinlein's The Door Into Summer. One winter, shortly before the Six Weeks' War, my tomcat, Petronius the Arbiter, and I lived in an old farmhouse in Connecticut. So... My takeaway from that is that this dude's real good at naming cats. Yeah. Um, the cat goes by Pete for the rest of the book. Okay. Um, yeah. This, so the book starts off rough. Like, it, it, it starts off like, what's the Six Weeks' War? Whoa, that's an intense name for a cat. Whew. Why so, do we care that one summer before or one winter before right. that war you lived in a house? So the first thing that happens is he he does this extended metaphor of his cat would try look demand every door be opened because the cat thought that if you opened the right door it would be summer on the other side of the door. How does he know that that's what the cat thought? Because let me tell you, I've had cats. They just want the doors open so that they can go through them. I th- well, I'm. I think he. I think it was like it's as if the cat thought that the other. Okay. But it's sort of like a like every time I opened a door and it went outside into winter, the cat looked disappointed, and so it went to a different door. Right. Like every time okay. I opened the door and it, there was snow there, the cat was like, hey, "What the hell? Where's summer? This okay. isn't the right door." But you also get the feeling that it's that he's it's sort of a. Bear with me. Keep in mind the metaphor of the door into summer. Right. Because 
I don't know if this is a weird pun or just words sound the same, but like in the summary at the end of the book is the next time that the door into summer comes out. So you're sort of like, it's like you're supposed to be like, oh, right. I remember that from the beginning. Okay. Which is sort of a weird way to frame a, a story. Weird way to frame a story is the name of this, of the, of the game for this book. So sounds like it's the name of the game for this author. Um, there's a guy named Dan Davis. Okay. Is the narrator. He has a cat named Petronius the Arbiter, the Arbiter Pete. Dan is an inventor. And what he has invented... So keep in mind, this story starts off taking place in 1970. Okay. Having been written in 56, 57. Okay. So it's already taking place 14 years in the future, which is why he can refer to the Six Weeks War as something that happened. Okay. Uh, background that we get over the course of the book, uh, basically the Cold War got hot. And okay. nukes happened and the government moved under Colorado and stuff. Okay. So, like, uh, Boulder got super, like, you know how D.C. is with, like, government buildings and stuff? Yeah. Boulder got that way because they moved the government into the Rocky Mountains underground. Oh, okay. So, that's what the Six Weeks War refers to. So, um, Dan invented what amounts to the Roomba. Okay. It's a robot that comes in and cleans if the room needs cleaning. If you are in the room, it senses that and comes back later. Oh. Yeah. I like Dan's invention. Yeah. And so does everyone else. So I can understand why. Yeah, exactly. So but Dan is an inventor and and there's so much invention slash patents law okay. in this book that sometimes I was like, but for real, what? is happening here. So, um, I hate that. I was like, when the author wants to be like, I know a whole lot about this thing that I, well, it's like you were talking about with, um, Tom Hanks and the typewriters. Yes. Like, I know a whole lot about this thing. So let me input this information. And wasn't, wasn't there something else with guns? Was that somebody else who was talking to me? No. Or was that you who was talking about having read something where the guy was like, and all this information about the type of guns. No, that was something I read. I don't remember what it was that I read. It was, I don't, I can't, I'm not calling. It was something at the end of the year last year where I was like. Yeah, we talked about it in the books after the wrap up episode. Yeah. And now I don't remember what it was. Where I was like, oh yeah, what kind of gun is that? Oh, well, it's this and this and this and this and this. Oh, okay. So anyways, um, Dan has an idea for a new invention that's like that, only it has I guess, like, the equivalent of, like, um, memory, like, like microchip memory. But, okay. you know, this is written in the 50s, so, like, microchips weren't... I don't know the timeline of microchips, but, like, he came up with something that was basically amounts to microchips. Only they're, right. like, I imagine them as, like, light bulbs with blue light in them. Okay. But you can program... You can basically program them. Each one is, like, a, a command. Okay. So he basically designed this thing... To be the whole, it does everything. If you need um, the dishes done, you can program it to do the dishes and it remembers how to do the dishes forever. If you need someone to turn the page of your book, you can program it to turn the pages of your book and it always remembers how to do that. Okay. Um, And it sort of has a Siri element to it too, where it's like it knows basic commands and stuff. Okay. And he also comes up with a design for a thing that I I, I imagine being like uh, a drafting board. But that you could control with, like, I guess I imagine sort of like a Nintendo controller. Okay. Or, like, a keyboard or something in between that. So, like, he comes up with all these ideas. But his first thing is called, I don't remember what it was called, um, Flexible Freddy, I think. And that was the Roomba. Uh, the Hired Girl is the name of the thing. The Roomba. Oh, it was the Roomba. Right. Um, FYI, this 1950s book unsurprisingly it's a little progressive in that it acknowledges how hard it is to keep house okay as it were but it it does it is very gendered in terms of like gosh it's so hard for women to keep house (laughs) so let's give them a hired girl to keep house for them so they called this thing the hired girl which i feel is a poor name for a product but apparently even independent of the problematic aspect, it's just a dumb name right. for a Roomba. Just right. call it a Roomba. Right. So, yeah. But apparently it was a huge success. So, um, 
some backstory about his cat. His cat, he basically, the cat is real uh, grumpy, which from my perspective is just all cats, but no. whatever. Um, Some cats are not grumpy. The cat is like my on his own. I've never had a grumpy cat. Okay. Well, Scarlet was somewhat grumpy, but Copper and Teeny were not grumpy. Did you, did, were your cats ever like, like they had an affinity for like you and one other person, but like everyone oh, else Teeny could go. very much preferred me to everybody else yeah. in the family. Yeah. So in this book, Pete only likes Dan mm-hmm. and his partner, um, his partner's daughter, whose name is Frederica. Okay. But she goes by Ricky. I was really hoping you were going to say Dan and the prototype for the hired girl. Right. Um, his partner only likes Dan and this <laughs> right. janky robot. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, cat. Um, no. So, uh, his partner, Miles, has a daughter named Frederica who goes by Ricky. And Ricky and Dan are the only people that, that Pete likes, even at all. How old is Ricky? Is um, she like a kid? I think she's like 11. Okay. But he's known her forever. Right. Um, so basically, like, they kind of, do a trade custody. Like, if Dan has to go on a business trip, he leaves the cat with Ricky. Okay. That's sort of thing. So, we get a little bit of a backstory about the company and how, basically, it's sort of a Steve Jobs sort of, he, like, thought of how to do this. He's always been good at inventing. You know mm-hmm. that commercial where the, the girl makes robots and then she grows up to make robots? No. There's a commercial where it starts with this young girl who doesn't want to take out the trash, so she invents a robot to take out the trash. Okay. And then next, she finds a robot to turn pages of her science book so that she can be drawing while she reads, while she looks at whatever. And it builds up to her. She works for GE and makes robots. Okay. So it's that story where he's right. always built stuff and always been good at that and knowing how things work and putting things together. So he basically comes up with the idea for the hired girl and, like, kind of builds it in his garage and... Miles sort of encourages him and is sort of the, like, marketing dude. Okay. Um, so they, like, partner up and are like, let's market this. You know, they start off by building, like, the prototype themselves with their own money and stuff. And eventually they get to where they have a small staff and they, like, hire a secretary who's, like, really a go-getter and, like, all this stuff. Okay. Um, her name is Belle. Okay. And so, like, she... And then she... Belle and, with an E at the end? Yes. Just checking. Um, She and Dan sort of like get together and like start dating and like he proposes and like as an engagement gift like he he signs her over some stock and stuff like that okay uh by the way stock is another thing that happens a lot in this book (laughs) well heinlein learned all about it for this book he had to put all the information in i guess um like yeah anyways um so basically then Miles and Belle betray Dan. Okay. <laughs> Good. Um, they betray him work-wise or romantically? Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> cool. So, um... Good friends. He is basically... He starts off the book sort of being like, so there's this thing called the long sleep, which is which is popular right now. Basically, it's cryogenic freezing. You okay. can... You can you it's it's through the insurance companies, and so like all the insurance companies do this thing now, where basically you sign over, you sign basically an insurance policy that says, "Hey, wake me up in thirty years." Okay. And if I don't wake up, my money that I've invested goes into a fund to pay out to people that do wake up. Oh, okay. Um. And you get to pick the amount of time. And, like, you can also buy, like, basically, like, junk stocks. Okay. That over 30 years will make you rich when you wake up. Sure. So it's, like, sleep while your money works is one of the one of the um, slogans or whatever. Okay. So Dan's like, I guess I kind of want to do this. Because he's basically, like, before, he, before we get the entire backstory, he's like, I kind of want to get revenge. And he doesn't... I think, thankfully, Heinlein doesn't do the, like, revenge is a dish best served cold, like, cryogenically cold. Got it. He okay. doesn't say that. Although I feel like that is... Is there a little part of you that's disappointed that he didn't say that? I like to think that he implied it and was like, the smart reader will get that. Right. Um, and I didn't until just now. But basically... Like, well, hey, you know what? I got there eventually. Yeah. Um. So basically, he's like, I want to... Basically shove it in their stupid, dumb faces about how young I am and how... Basically, I want to 
sleep for long enough that Belle is old so I can be like, ha, fuck you, I'm young. Okay. <laughs> you hideous old witch. Right. So basically the story is basically... I mean, it's not a bad plan. It's not a bad plan. It's sort of insane, but like... It's it's certainly better than like murdering them, for instance. Right. Um. So basically, we get the story of them building up as he's sort of driving over to Miles's house. He calls Miles and is like, "Hey, we need to meet." So we get the story of his of his build come up with Miles and like how they betrayed him. Basically, by he would be working and Bell would come in with stuff for him to sign, okay. like in duplicate and triplicate. Okay. And under like three down would be. Him signing all this stuff that says Miles, Miles and Bell are the... rock stars in this company, and right. I sign over my rights and stuff. When you say he's driving over to Miles's house, is this before or after the cryogenic freezing? He goes and gets information, and basically, a do- he gets all set to do the long sleep. Okay, and then he goes over to Miles's house. Okay, but while he does that, he- we get a big extended flashback. Does at the point that he is getting ready to to do the long sleep and drive to Miles's house, does Miles know that he knows? Yes. Okay, so he's like, "Hey, you backstabbing traitor, we need to talk. I'm yeah. coming over." Right. Exactly. And Miles is like, "Cool. Oh fuck, Bell. We should. I should stop fucking Bell right, right, because right. Bell's fiance is coming over to kick my ass." I don't think he knows yet that they are together, but when he comes over and she's there, he's not. And and, and Miles is surprised. fucking Bell. Right. So basically, they like so like she she tricks him into signing over all this stuff, and like okay. he has no case in court because it's his signature, right? So basically, um, they've signed. He signed over all the like rights to. Um, he like he goes to go to work, and like they're like, yeah, you don't work here anymore. Oh, yeah. Um, so then he's like, well, fuck. I I guess you know what's this, and like they basically like. Um, because he signed out, he gave her stock. She has the right to like, like she's part of the company now, right? Because of that engagement gift, and like, there's all this stuff about like he goes to a lawyer, and they the lawyers like, well, since it was an engagement present, technically, it's sort of like on, on Friends. Well, technically, you should give that back, like, you right, know. <laughs> right. Um, so like the lawyers basically was saying there's a case for we're not in. There's no that was promissory for marriage so right. since a marriage isn't going to happen you should give that back so he goes over and one of the things he says is like unless you want to marry me baby oh. like and sort of like a you don't so give me my fucking stock back right um anyways long story short they drug him <laughs> oh good <laughs> so before he goes over he basically signs over all of his stock in that he has for the company and other companies like all the stuff that he has and that he's going to get for the long sleep. Right. He signs over to Ricky and okay. puts it in a letter that says, hey, if you don't hear from me in like a month. This is why? This. Yeah. And um, you get all of this Right. Money. So all this stuff. And like he signed it over to her and like, you know, set it was sort of like, you know, being of sound mind. Here's this stuff. Right. So Basically no one can like say, set up a trust fund right, for right, her. Exactly. And he, and he uh, says the trust is in this, at this bank. Only you get to whatever. So, like, he and basically... also, can you feed my cat for the next Right. Also, years? yeah, grab Pete because you know Pete. Oh, Pete. Um, so, basically, and then he mails that. Okay. Um, so that they can't then dick him over again in right. case this goes sideways, which it immediately does. Oh, okay. Um, so, basically, they drug him with this stuff that... Oh, she's... Also, so basically it turns out that Belle is like a black widow of sorts and like okay. marries a bunch of dudes, has been married a bunch of times, is still technically married and just basically like rips off okay. the guys that she marries. Sure. So one of the people that she has swindled was like a doctor. So she has access to all these drugs. Okay. The drug that she drugs him with is like an anti brainwashing Slash, it's just a brainwashing drug. Like it's, it was designed for anti-brainwashing, for when the commies, I guess, okay. captured you and brainwashed you. This was to bring you back from that. Okay. And it does that by brainwashing you. So it's sort of like, I okay. don't know, but like, so it's basically it like, basically brainwashes you back. You ha- right? You have no will okay. to do anything, but no will to resist either. Okay. So like, he's like, you know, no one asked me to. Um, 
to look at anything, so I couldn't look at anything. Okay. Um, but when they ask a question, he has to. He he He's feels compelled, compelled to, to answer. answer. Right. Got it. So there's one part where she asks him a question and then asks him another question that he can say no to, but if she'd stopped at the first question, he would have, like, revealed everything. Oh. So, like, he's like, thank God she asked me that second question. Right. Because then he only has to answer the most recent question. Okay. Pete gets out and starts raising hell. Because he has Pete in, like, a carrier. Because oh, he carries okay. Pete where, with him wherever he goes. Was he planning to freeze Pete with him? Yes. Self? Okay. Yes. Right. So when he said feed the cat, I should have said no. He, right. He got, like, a mini insurance plan for Pete. Okay. That the dude was like, oh, I just I just called my boss, and my boss was like, yeah, we did this. We started off testing on cats. So, like, we can we totally can do it for your cats. Cat. Right. So, Pete gets out after he's drugged, and it's actually sort of a funny thing that I sort of like to see in a movie. So, he can only look ahead, but Pete is, like, attacking Miles and Belle. They keep crossing his vision. <laughs> <laughs> so, like... Miles and Bell will be running after Pete and then, like, being chased by Pete and stuff. That's amazing. That sounds like a kid's yeah. movie. It's very Looney Tunesy sort of yeah. deal. Um, or, like, Scooby-Doo or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So Pete gets outside and is basically, like, stalking around the house, just sort of, like, doing war cries. Okay. So, like, if they go outside, he's going to, like, fucking kill them. Right. But Dan, this- again, can't do anything because he's paralyzed right can i ask a completely unimportant but very important to me question Mm -hmm. what kind of cat is pete uh does it describe him at all is he like a big surly tomcat yes he's a tomcat does that tell you something i think that's a neutered male cat so that doesn't really tell us a whole lot i don't think he's neutered because he definitely talks about like pete oh maybe a tomcat is an unneutered yeah Maybe a tomcat's an unneutered male cat. Yeah. Um, if I say Pete needs to get some pussy, is that like, that's bad, right? But super like, it's like gross. A, but it's like a cat thing. It's pretty gross. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, he it's does. It's not talk- so gross. I'm gonna cut it. <laughs> he does talk. But please about- don't say it again. <laughs> I won't. He does talk about like sometimes Pete needs to go out and like get some. Okay. Um, which is gross. I mean, yeah. that's not gross, but like, it's he- weird that it was included in the book. I guess. Right. Anyways, um. I don't know, like, I picture Pete as a white cat, even though on the cover he's, like, brown. I was going to say, I'm picturing him as, like, um, I'm picturing basically the cat, the male cat from Aristocats. Uh-huh. Like, the Tom cat, big, Thomas O'Malley. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Thomas O'Malley, the big orange. Yeah. Yeah. I think okay. that's that's a fine thing to picture. Okay. Um, I think I pictured Dr. Evil's cat, actually. Wasn't, that was a hairless cat. Well, it was hairless after the freezing. I think I pictured Dr. Evil's, Dr. Evil's cat because of the freezing. I forgot part. about the freezing. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, so. Completely not important at all. They basically discover all the paperwork for the the long sleep. Okay. And they ask him, so you were going to do this? And he was like, no, I wasn't. So he had the paperwork, but he was going to not do it. Because he oh. was going to confront them and like, fuck their shit up now. Okay. They're like, actually, you are. And in fact, we're going to have you do it at our place and sign over all the stuff, all the stocks to us. Okay. So they basically kind of Shanghai him into the long sleep. Okay. Um, They still have him wake up at the time, you know, 30 years later, whatever. But like, it's for his stuff and they don't freeze Pete. And um, I haven't seen John Wick, but I'm told that the inciting incident and basically the impetus for John Wick which is a Keanu Reeves movie, okay. which is lots of guns. Okay. The impetus for, for Keanu Reeves going apeshit with a bunch of guns against a whole bunch of people is they kill his dog. I mean, I would. Yeah, I've heard that it's entirely a justifiable <laughs> movie. Yeah. Um, kind of the entire impetus for Dan's whole thing after this is they basically fucking killed my cat. Right. Um. So anyways. Did... Did Pete just continue to live his life, but because cats don't live for 30 years, they they as good as killed his cat? Or Be- did they actually kill the cat? No. Pete basically runs off. Okay. That night, like, never to be seen again. Got it. Okay. Um. So he wakes up in basically right at the end of the year 2000. Okay. So just to, just to recheck in, this is a book written in 1956, taking, starting taking place in 1970. And then we jump forward 30 years to the year 2000. Okay. 
Um, so it was very interesting to read about what he thought would have happened between now and 19, then in 1970 and then between 1970 and the year 2000. Right. So he wakes up and he's in a hospital and he's sort of like groggy, but he's like, I got to get going, blah, 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 blah. So they're like, this is common. You need to just chill out. Okay. And there's an interesting thing where the doctor's like, I'm speaking in 70s language so that you can understand me. But if I was to speak to you in 2000s language, there would be a whole bunch of words you wouldn't get. Which is sort of a weird thing to think about, but a weird, but an interesting concept, like for a twenty and then fifty year, like it reminds me of a meme that I think Christina had shared on her personal page. Hi, Christina. Um, hi, Christina. Um, that was a picture of Rhett Butler, uh-huh. and it said TBH Bay. Yeah, IDGAF. Right. And it was, t- and there was like a Tumblr, it was like a Tumblr I meme. It, and it yeah. was like, you know, yeah, because I think I, I shared it. Yeah. And yeah, it was basically like 30 years ago, nobody would, or like, th- this is almost like looking into like an alien language. Right. For right. people from, you know, like people from the future or from the past would yeah. look at this and not have any idea what it means. Exactly. Well, you, you read Shakespeare or like the Bible yeah. or like. Some Dickens and, and 19th yeah. century stuff. I'm like, oh, that means, hey, you suck. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's just funny to think that within 30 years, yeah. Heinlein is like, oh, yeah, language totally changes that much that fast. Right. In 2000, they only speak in emojis. Right. Exactly. Well, like one of the examples that the doctor <laughs> this gives. This book's actually written by Gina Linetti. <laughs> exactly. Her, her, uh, she time traveled back to the 50s and published as a male author, which would be smart. Uh-huh. Um, but... It's just a tr- it's just a huge troll. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody was going to do it, <laughs> true, true. Um, one of the examples he says is that we don't call them movies anymore; we call them grabbies, which is disturbing. They aren't great at naming things, but I think it's because there's Why? a forty element to the movies now. Oh. It's never explored. It's just like here's an example of like, whoa, look at how movies have changed. Is so that much that they now need to be called this completely different thing that makes no sense right um cool exa- well i think it makes sense i think that we just don't get to see why they're called that and i think we're okay. just supposed to like be like oh weird so there's like an element of of tactile interaction now weird right um interaction and Gross. so he uh so but like things that have changed are uh cars are now automatic like autopiloting yeah okay the internet is not a thing like it's it's interesting because like one one little thing that happened sort of between 1956 and 1970 mm-hmm. is that you start being able to have networked computers. And right. like, that makes and all the difference. And he just couldn't foresee it. Exactly. And so his view of 2000 is all wrong. Exactly right. Um, so anyways, Dan's thing is, first let me look up. the. I need, I need to do the following things. Look up and see what Bell and Miles are up to. Look up and see how Ricky did, right. and if she got my money, and if or if like they got to because like basically they were like we're gonna I'm you know Belle was like I'm awesome at like forging checks and like of course she is like um, scraping signatures off checks and re-signing them to me and stuff. Can you do that? Apparently, again. So so to review: stocks, patent law, check writing, and forging and stuff are all things that I was like, boy, we're going into this, huh? Um, I mean, that's kind of cool. Like, of all of those things, yeah. that's the one that I find most fascinating. Yeah, exactly. Because so, I didn't know that was a thing you could do, but I, the, I mean, it sounds feasible yeah. enough. I think you basically like kind of get that one section wet. I'm sure that the checks now have a, you know things against that. I'm but sure. again, 1956, they were based probably just like notebook paper. <laughs> it was stone tablets. <laughs> right. It was real easy. Right. Just break off this part. <laughs> um, exactly. So basically... He needs to check on his own his own stocks, how right. he's doing. Does he have money? How are Bell and Miles doing? How is Ricky doing? You know, what's the future like? <laughs> right. Right. Um, so he looks at, and basically, the company that um, Bell and Miles basically shanghaied him into went crazy bankrupt. The freezing company. The freezing company did very poorly. The, the one they, that they used did very poorly. Uh, the hired girl company tanked oh with him gone with him gone and miles and bell in charge just got you know whatever he can't find any sign of ricky oh and the future is weird he kind of predicts like tablets but like he reads newspapers and sort of like 
you know, press the button to flip to the next page. It's sort of a okay. Cool so it's like a an early Kindle. Yeah, kind of like. Do you ever see? You saw Big, right? Yes. Remember it's how, been a long time, but yeah. Um, Tom Hanks's character designs a comic book that is basically a computer, and like oh. it's like it's sort of a choose your own adventure comic book, and like it's the, I don't it's, remember it's, it's, it's at his, all. But his big thing that he's gonna that he's developing whatever is comic book choose your own adventure computer thing. Okay. It sort of reminds me of that. Okay. So, anyways, um, and so the future's weird. So basically, he um, the newspaper has a new section in the obituaries and classifieds that okay. is people coming out of freezing. Okay. <laughs> so, cool. which, yeah. So makes he, sense. He basically um, is looking and then he has a dream one night where basically he had seen something in there that he didn't note at the time, but that his brain was like, Hey idiot, you saw this. So he, he wakes up and is like, Whoa, weird. That's so strange. He looks at yesterday's paper and sees that Ricky is coming out of her thing. Oh, okay. So she got, long sleeped like a couple years after like when she turned 18 or whatever okay and so she got long sleeped and so he uh, he sort of like there's a bunch of like doctor patient confidentiality confidentiality stuff that he has to like the insurance company is not going to tell him what's up with her right he doesn't know what her last name has become if anything you know he doesn't know right whatever so basically and then the other weird thing is that there's this company aladdin company okay that not only so this he's sitting there in the hospital and this bot comes in he's like shit what he my this is my flexible freddy which is the new thing he was designing right right um that he thought that bell and miles had stolen and hidden from him like and as their last fuck you right um he's like this is flexible freddy what's going on this is what aladdin who who the hell is that right so then he basically gets he gets he goes out on his own like and basically gets a job. He basically works his way on up to working at the Aladdin company. Okay. And so he cuz he he basically is like I I have all these drafting things. I can get, you know, look at me draft. I'm right. I'm so awesome at designing stuff. Let me in your company. So actually, he doesn't he, before he gets a job at the Aladdin company, he gets a job at the company that bought Hired Girl. Okay. And he's like, hey, I'm this dude. I'm the pre- I'm, I founded Hired Girl. Right. And they're like, oh, what's up, old timer who's younger than us? Yeah. We have no need for you and you have no role here, but we'll put you sort of as like an emeritus position. Okay. But like the head draftsman's kind of a douchebag and like there's one designer that's cool and he always eats lunch with him and like that guy has is is cool and whatever so okay he sort of jumps around in these companies and sort of like i need to figure out i you know he orders the patents for for these all these things to see like did someone steal my stuff or is it just a coincidence that some that Other someone company, designed had yeah. the same idea for flexible freddy which he had designed right and then that drafting thing and uh, the and he came up with two designs basically on his drive over to Miles's house okay and never wrote down anywhere but he okay. saw them as things that existed okay so he's like i guess you know group think maybe someone else had that same idea as me you know right. whatever so he researches the patent and finds the patent for that thing and sees his name on the patent okay he's like well, I guess maybe the long sleep causes amnesia. Did I like patent this and then forget? Or like, what's going on? So he's talking to his buddy. Are we getting into slightly more significant time, <clears throat> time travel month Oh, zone? Yeah. I um, mean, this has so far been time travel monthy in that he was cryogenically frozen and wakes up 30 years in the future, which I would argue doesn't really count as time travel. Right. Um, by the way, we are... You did tell me that it takes a bonkers long amount of time to get to anything resembling time travel. Yeah, it's like 200 pages Jeez. before time travel as a concept even comes up, but we're about to get to it. So he's talking... And this is a 291-page book. Yes. Okay. Um. So he's talking to his his designer buddy that i'm not gonna look up what that guy's name is okay let's call him ben hey ben hi ben um he's talking to his buddy and his buddy is they're just sort of shooting the breeze whatever and it comes up that he has 
Ben has worked for a top secret government lab at some point in his past, like he in like as an intern. He worked like doing like drawing stuff for this for this person who worked under this professor who was doing this research. Okay. And what the research was was I guess like an energy it was trying to do something with energy or whatever, but they accidentally they put these coins in this thing and we're like, all right, let's see what happens when we press this button. And the coins disappeared. And they're like, holy shit, we um we made these coins disappear. And then one of the coins uh, was like on the ground or like like whatever. Or the, one of the coins showed up like a week later. Okay. And they're like, oh my God, what happened? So like then they started sending – then then like the dude found um a mouse in the thing one time. He's like, okay. oh, weird. And then a week later, he's like, hey, let's send these mice back. And one of the mice looked – was exactly – had the same coloring as the mice he found a week before. Okay. So basically, the time travel mechanic is you push the button, setting a date of plus or minus, let's say, a week. Okay. And then because of, like, this actually feels sort of scientifically robust because of, like, electron spin and, like, quantum mechanics or something. You either go that amount of time backwards or forwards. Okay. There's no way to control whether you go backwards or forwards. Okay. Okay. So there's a story about a do about this guy's colleague, uh, uh, Lenny De Vincent or something. Okay. Um, Lenny Vincent, I think, who was like, "Let's do 500 years. Here we go." And he disappeared. And the dude's like, "So I don't know." Leonardo Da Vinci. And so it's sort of like maybe is he? Yeah, exactly. It's sort of like is he or did he go 500 years in the future? Either way, who knows? Right. Um. So. That's the that's the thing. But the professor is like, shut it down. Like, he right. basically is like... This is dangerous. It's dangerous. And, like, he got his grant funding cut. And, like, people were, like, ethics committee. Because, like, he was basically like, where are all these people? Where would that pe- person go? Right. <laughs> you. He became Leonardo da Vinci. You kind of destroyed a person. So, no. you you No more money for you. Right. So, Dan gets an idea. He's going to go back in time? A crazy idea. Well, yeah. He basically is like, so I need to convince this guy to let me try his device. And what will happen is either I'll go 30 years into the future. I like the future. I'm liking 2000. 2030 will be fine. Right. Or... I'll go back to 1970 and, and patent all this stuff, and I'll and I'll I'll do my plan. So he basically he basically negs this professor into doing the machine. Uh huh. He's basically like, I'm writing this paper called I'm writing this book called like Great People and um you know Great Inventors. I'd like to do it on you. I heard this rumor about like time travel. And the guy's like, Yeah, this thing, whatever. I'm not really allowed to talk about it. And the guy's like, Yeah, I know. I I knew it was just fake lies. And the doctor's like, No. Bro, I, it's real. I have a time it's real. machine. I'll show it to you. Let's go. Let's go right now. I'll show it to you right now. Um, so they go, and he's like, I'm not going to plug it in because, like, there's no reason to plug it in. But see, here it is. And Dan's like, yeah, I know. I, all right, whatever. And, like, he does, he does, nice like. Nice machine that does nothing, dude. He, like, he's like, write your, carve your name into these coins, and we're going to send it back, like, like, five minutes. Or, like, a, a week, one week. And, like. The coins disappear, and the and the professor's like, "Look, I got this. I found this on the floor a week ago, and it has your initials on it." And Dad's like, "Holy shit, it works!" But out loud, he's like, "Yeah, nice coin trick." Yeah, <laughs> you know, whatever. Good sleight of hand, dude. It doesn't. Yeah, sure. You picked the coins out, and you you told me what to write on them. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. So the guy's like, "No, dude, we'll we'll pow- we'll do it." We'll power it up. And he's like, I'll show you that, that, that it works. I'll show you all how, you know, whatever. How he's far like, do you want to go? He's like, he's like, um, walk me through. And he's like, all right, but I'm not sending you anywhere. And Dan's like, yeah, y- yeah, sure, sure, sure. And then he's, so he's standing there and he's like, the guy's like, all right, so you see it works. And that's, it. and then I'd press the button. And the guy's like, do it. And the first like, no, I'm not going to do it. And he's like, yeah, I knew, I knew you were too chicken. They, that you know, and the guy that the general that doubted you, he said, "I'm gonna just go back, and we're gonna laugh about how you are such a liar." And the guy's like, "Fine, I'll do it." And he hits the button, and Dan goes 
30 years into the past. Dan goes 30 years in the past and falls basically right in front of two nudists. Okay. Because the place where the lab is going to be in 30 years... Was a nude beach? Is a nudist colony. Okay. In Colorado. Okay. So he befriends them and they become his best friends. <laughs> Which is... As I was you like, do. I was like, oh, these characters didn't turn out to just be, there's the road over there, now get out of here. Right. Um, he, he's given himself like a month before he gets shanghaied. Okay. Um, so he, 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 he patents all his stuff. But first he has to like build prototypes and stuff. And he's like, fuck, I did not give myself enough time. Right. Because I, I didn't count into the fact like I have to build this all myself. Right. So he builds all the prototypes for the things that he wants to design, patents them. Um, he go, uh, goes and basically uh, visits Ricky at camp. Okay. And uh, says, because he's found out that basically she um, went and lived with her grandmother. And it's okay. fine. Sorry, I didn't. I didn't say that. So he, she's fine. Whatever. Um, so he goes and visits her at camp. Oh, and sorry, one more thing. Uh, he wants to go visit her after she's woken up. Mm-hmm. And but by the time he gets out to her facility, he's learned that not only is she gone, but she's gotten married okay. and is like peaced out. And he's like, "Well, I'm not going to find who she got married to because, like, you know, how do I look that up?" Right. So, anyways, he uh, goes and finds her at camp. And, like, is, like, hey, so what's going on? She's, like, finally, Bella's the worst. My dad kind of sucks. Like, right. I want to, I, I hate everything about it. And so um, I, I want to go live with my grandma. Can she take me away from Because, like, she's at this camp. So, right. like, Dan's, like, your dad's going to, I can't take you away from the camp. Right. Like, whatever. But if you go with your grandma on, like, a day trip and then just don't come back to camp. You're good. Right. Um, so he does that. And she's, and he's like, so listen, I'm going to go for a long sleep now. And she's like, what? So I'm never going to see you again. And he's like, listen, you go for a long sleep too. Okay. And then she says, all right, this sucks. But when I wake up, will you be there? And he says, yes. And then she says, "And will you marry me?" Yes. Oh, Heinlein, <laughs> she's like eleven years old. Right. I mean, I but, realize that she's not eleven when they get married, but like when you've known <laughs> someone for all eleven years of their life, you don't agree to. Mm. So he has established so, in the future that she does turn out hot. Does that help? No, that makes it worse. <laughs> No, um, no. But Pete I is the connecting Pete is the connecting factor in this. So he's basically like, we both love this cat. Does she find Pete and have Pete frozen with her? He goes and goes to Miles' house, watches himself come in, catches and grab, Pete when grabs Pete. And gives him And they go long sleep. They wake up like a week before Ricky wakes up. They go visit Ricky and Ricky he basically told Ricky, all right, when you do the long sleep, say that I'm cool to come in when you wake right. up or else I'm not going to be allowed in. Trust me on that. Right. <laughs> so instead what she does, and this is very sweet, she says, don't wake me up unless unless Dan comes around. Okay. If he if he doesn't come around, just let me. I'm, I'm gone. Right. Well, wake me up when he comes around. Okay. Which is very sweet. She's like 20 or something because she, she like... Well, yeah, because she waited 10 years till she was legal to do this because she got engaged to this dude when she was 11. Right. And then they live happily ever after with Pete. And they, and uh, he, and so he, oh, so he starts the Aladdin company with the two of us. And, and then they're super rich and are great. And he goes and and just gets to happily draft, and Ricky basically runs the company and is awesome. So he starts the Aladdin company with the nudists in the past. In the 70s, yeah. Oh, and, and then the nudists run it mm-hmm. until he wakes up from his long, his second long sleep. Right. And then he comes in and he's like, hey, guys, I'm back. And they're like, what up, Dan? Yeah. The nudist, it's so funny. The nude dude, huh, he's like, look, bro, what is really going on? Because you are dressed weird. You're talking weird. Everything about you is weird. And I don't believe that you just hit your head and happen to wander out into the desert. Right. And Dan's like. Okay, fine. I'm a t- and the guy's like la 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 la. I don't okay. want to hear. <laughs> okay, and he's like, I'm a time traveler, and the guy's like, 
we're going to go with you hit your head. <laughs> but then, like, when he wakes up from a second long sleep and everything that he's predicted has come true, the guy's like... So you're a time traveler, I huh? guess. I mean... So, and they're kind of my favorite characters. There's one point where he's, like, talking about the design of the of the flexible Frank. Mm-hmm. And the nude wife is like... Finally, a man that gets how complicated dishwashing is. Like, <laughs> like they're, 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 again, sort of gendered. But, like, I was like, oh, that's kind of nice that she's like, listen to this man. See how hard it is? He gets it. Right. Um, and the guy's like, shut up, give me a beer. Not really. They're great but people. But kind of. But there's, there's an undertone. Anyways. Hey, even great people can be sucky sometimes. Right, exactly. And then they live happily ever after. And Pete, so, like, the door into summer was, like, you make he went back and and found his own door into summer which is happiness i guess uh yeah happiness with his 11 year old goddaughter she's not 11 at the time i don't care it's kind of like twilight that doesn't help it you know my thoughts on twilight do i know your thoughts on the imprinting thing I don't think I know your thoughts on the imprinting thing. I don't know what the imprinting thing is. Did I you... just know that everything that I have heard about Twilight since I read the first book and saw the movie is makes gives me no... Oh, in- did you only see the first movie and read the first book? Uh-huh, but I kind of know what happens in the rest of it. Okay. And I And that is why I have only... I kind of am also on board with that. Can I briefly... Doesn't th- Renesme is the daughter's name? Yeah. And doesn't she imprint on Jacob? He imprints on her... While she's still an egg in yeah, Bella, well, yeah. which is why he's so intense about Bella, but he's not in love with Bella. Oh, okay. See, I didn't know that he wasn't in love with her. I he, thought that Renesmee was born being in love with Jacob, and no. he was like, okay, cool, I guess. It's the next best thing to be in with your mom. No, he basically like imprints on her from her being an egg. Okay. But like, is like, I guess I've imprinted on Bella? Wait, Bella's... Bella Swan. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, what was the name of the girl in Fifty Shades? Anna. Right. Okay. Um, so he th- so I haven't read them, but I've had. But Kristen has explained this part to me because this is kind of one of Kristen's wheelhouses of interest. So like okay. this was and it was sort of interesting to me, like the idea of like an imprint on someone that's not born yet confusing you with I'm not imprinting on you, I'm imprinting on your unborn daughter. Your unconceived daughter, right. it sounds like. Right. That's so it's weird. I don't understand enough about how imprinting works for that to even make sense. Well, yeah, and then the other thing you I'm have to I'm assuming it has something to do with him being a werewolf. Yeah. Okay. And then the other thing is that vampires age super fast or something. Or Renesme does. She ages super fast and then stops something. It she grows up really fast. Much okay. faster than a human. But then vampires also don't die. So I don't know. At one point she stops being a fast aging human vampire thing okay. and becomes an immortal. Anyways. But it's the same. it feels like the same thing to me where it's like if you think about it in one way, it's super skeevy and gross. Right. And if you think about it in another way, there are ways you can get around it. I also am coming to this with my... Dad married a much, much younger woman as my stepmom. Okay. But did he know her when she was 11? He didn't, but they did get married when she was like 18. See, and he was like 29. Oh, no, that's only a 10 year age difference. No, see, the icky thing to, and this may only be a 10 year age difference, but. Well, it's got to be more he's, than that. He's like, he's like 30. The icky thing to me is that he's known her literally her entire life, and he is a father figure to her. I, I think, yeah. and Or, I or, mean, or honestly, at least if, an uncle figure. Like, there's, Well, yeah. So yeah. it would be like if at 11, Lorelai is like, hey, Mr. James, will you marry me? And she meant it, and then you did it. Right. When you woke up from cryogenic freezing. Right. So you see what I mean when I said, like, there's problems to this. Yeah. There's aren't, there are problems like what was in uh, All You Zombies, where it was sort of like a conceptual thing that has a modern problem, like, with right. language and stuff. It's sort of like, it's problematic no matter where you are. I don't I know. I mean, I guess if they're happy and it's, she was an adult by that point. Because, like, in like Sleeping on, Beauty... On paper, it shouldn't be squicky. Oh, I have real issues with the fact that print, the prince was betrothed to this newborn. Right. Well, that's... Oh, right, right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Prince Philip, like, he was betrothed to Aurora. I'm but going off was, the Disney one. Yeah, but, but he so was he, only, like, 
five. No, he was older than that. He looked like he was at least around ten. He was making some very kindergartner faces at her. Maybe it's the animation. I feel like they animate they they drew him to look close to ten, but his expressions were a disgusted kindergartner. But at it, any rate, he was betrothed to her before she was born. Right. I was I was gonna ask so, in some tellings of Sleeping Beauty, isn't Philip or the prince from another land? Probably. Where he's not he's a hundred years younger than Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sleeping Beauty, because like their their kingdom fell asleep, but like you know, their, well, the, their New York kingdom fell asleep, but New Jersey didn't fall asleep. Right. So, <laughs> right. And in the Disney one, she's not asleep for 100 years. She's asleep for like a few hours. Right. Because the Briar Patch and stuff, and he's Philip like, never let's falls, go. Yeah. Philip never falls asleep. The fairies go to get him from um, Maleficent's dungeon. Right. While Maleficent is growing the brambles. Right. Gardening. Gardening. <laughs> yeah. Wim- so witches be gardening. Yeah, Disney kind of borked a pretty key element of the Sleeping Beauty story, which I'm just now realizing. <laughs> I had never really thought about it before, but yeah, I mean, kind of that whole story is built on the fact that she slept for a hundred years, right? So, yeah, in pretty much every other retelling of that story, the prince who wakes her up is a hundred years younger than her. Yeah, but so I mean, I guess it's a weird thing about like. Aging and like I knew you when you were young, but is that and like there's a whole thing. So uh, do you know when I say House of Lies, do you know what I'm talking about at all? No. There's a show that had Kristen Bell on it, uh, which was I'm actually gonna I watched the first season of it when we had Showtime for Dexter. Okay. But now all of the seasons are out, and I'm gonna get them from the library over the next couple of months. Okay. Um, the last season, the first season ends with Don Cheadle, who is the main guy. mm Hmm. Having sex with a girl that he knows is his enemy's daughter. <laughs> but how old to, is she? Like 25 or something. Okay. Has he known her since she was an itty-bitty child? No. Okay, see, that is, that is the sticking point for me. But here. isn't it, isn't it, I feel like it's it's different, but it's still fucked up because it's, it's like got you, you. Well, yeah, but for me, the issue here is that he knew her as a child. Yeah. Like, for for me, I don't know. I guess the problem for me is, like, I will look at our children even yeah. when they are grown-ups. Sure. And there is a part of me that will never not see the child. Right. And the thought that he is looking at this 11-year-old girl and promising to marry her when she wakes up, and then she wakes up, and then they do. And she's not 11 anymore, but the last time he saw her, she was 11. Yeah. And, like, how can he look at this grown woman and right. dissociate her from the child that he was basically an uncle figure to? Right. Um, that there, I don't yeah. buy into. Let's, let, me, let me say one, one more pop cultural example, then we'll talk just a little bit about the patriarchy, and then we'll go. Friends did this. Do you remember when... So Richard... Tom Selleck dated yeah. Monica, and he had known her as a child. It squicked me out. And it didn't squick me out and doesn't, and this doesn't, and the Twilight thing doesn't. And I think that the problem is the patriarchy, as usual. I think that there's a thing where men being father figure slash husband figures is way too normalized. Okay. And I think that that it would be very and and maybe also as a as a man. No, it it's I can't apply it to myself because that's creepy. First of all, like I I'm not going to I'm not going to we're not going to expound upon like if Lorelai uh, Right, Lorelai. right. Yeah, I didn't mean to yeah. make that weird. No. Yeah, no. Uh, except that I was already uncomfortable right. with the concept of it, so sure. I was like, well, let's just lean into this one. Sure. But like I can't, so I can't apply it to myself, but I think that it is normalized in society that there's sort of like, in the same way that like sons, mothers, sons hand them over to their new wives in sort of a gross, weird patriarchy way. Yeah, that is gross. There's also a sort of like father's, well, you know, in the wedding service. Yeah, giving her away. Because what you're doing is giving the bride away to her new owner. <laughs> <laughs> like you're Sorta. you're kind of signing the deed over a little bit, but like, 
So I think that there's a weird normalization that I think hopefully has maybe gotten better since the 90s or yeah. the 50s. Right. Or the 2000s via the 70s via the 50s, <laughs> where maybe that's gotten better and this wouldn't happen. Or or it would have... Is there a way to write this where it isn't crazy or weird or gross? The Richard and Monica thing doesn't bother me as much because we never see Monica as a child interacting with him. Right. We are told she's known him her whole life, but we don't see it. The majority of this book, you see him interacting with Ricky as like an 11-year-old. And to be f- to be completely fair to the book, mostly he doesn't interact with her at all. Well, that almost makes it worse because but then he, he doesn't even have a relationship with her that you get to see. Well, and so it's, it's sort of a tell-don't-show sort of like, I have this great relationship with my business partner's daughter. And then... You see her, he sees her in the paper or whatever and is like, oh, cool. She grew up and did all right and is very beautiful and whatever. And then went back and like made a deal. You're right. And made a deal with her. I think that the best way to make it not freaky is for her to say, I don't want to wake up in the future completely alone. Right. Will you be there so that I will have someone that I know? Oh, and yeah. Then it's completely... Have them just be buds. Yeah. Yeah. And then great it's... call. That's how you make it not creepy. You make it just platonic. Great, great, great call. Excellent. You have solved this book. That is exactly right. They're... She's a she is a, a mind for business. He gets to draw his stuff. They have a cat together and they don't get married. Right. Exactly right. Correct. That is absolutely correct. Great job. Um, I had one thing. Oh, yeah. Um. Back to the future, I think that you can't have um, parents, you can't have interactions with people in both the past and the future or the present, like the your present and wherever you go in time travel. Right. Without them being strangers or your parents and there's a weird incest thing. Right. Because Back to the Future has a very weird, like... They, that, talk, they talked about that in Frequently Asked Questions About Time Travel. Yeah, yeah. They said something about don't have sex with anyone because it'll probably turn out to be your mom. Right, exactly. Like, yeah, the you know, a, you know the, that thing like how to tell the plot of a movie or how to tell what you do badly, but like how to tell the plot of a movie ba- badly for Back to the Future is uh, a boy goes back to back 50 years in, or 30 years in time and has to try his damnedest not to fuck his own mom. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's bad. So uh, time travel has inherent problems with it. Let's do social media. Social media. Oh, the book. I, I enjoyed the book fine. There I were think some, I'm glad we did yeah. it this way instead of me reading it because it sounds like I would have enjoyed the last, oh, 91 pages. Uh-huh. It, yeah. I, it was, I was like, are we ever getting there? I actually looked up on Google, does this have time travel? <laughs> or did the introduction to that 20th century time travel book say the wrong story? Or was it like, cryogenic freezing is totally time travel? Right. But they'd said the thing about the randomly past or future thing. So I was like, oh, right. is that everything? Anyways, Jeez. I enjoyed it, but I think you're great that you didn't read it. Good. Social media. Social media. We have a Facebook group. Yes. It is unabashedly obsessed with unabashedly obsessed. I almost put an at before that. <laughs> um, you should go join it. You should. Absolutely. And tell us about your favorite time travel stuff. I'm sure that a lot of people in the group have already weighed in on this. But if you have time travel stuff that we haven't talked about, yeah. tell us about it because we want to read it or watch it or mm-hmm. I guess listen to it. If there's an album there's about a time, time travel, travel song, James is <laughs> yeah. all over yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Speaking to the at thing, yeah. you can follow us on Twitter at UFO Podcast. Today the F stands for Flexible Freddy. Flexible Freddy. Also, every invention he had had the worst name. Like, yeah. drafting Dan was the drafting boy. Oh, it was geez. so bad. Anyways, uh, I am individually on Twitter at Unabashed James. And I am at Unabashedly Aaron. We have a Patreon that we'd love for you to join. Uh, it is at patreon.com slash Unabashedly Obsessed. We have great tiers from $1 on up to $40. And there's t-shirts and recommendations from us and recommendations from you and just all sorts of stuff. Come join. It's 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 a lot of Patreon has been like way more fun than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. You can email us at unabashedlyobsessed at gmail.com if you'd like to do that. We love getting email in that form. As opposed to the other form that we get email in? Snail mail from the past? From ourselves? Electronically? Uh-huh. 
Just checking. If hey, if you go and if you ever time travel to the past, uh, mail us something. Sure. Okay. We are on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Rate, review, subscribe. Smash that like button. Smash it. Add a like button and then smash it. Um, Maybe one day I'll stop saying it, but today's not that day. Let's see. I think... Oh, thank you to Jamie Shaheen for our theme song. Did you guys know there was a ladder down here? You can smash the like button on his YouTube page uh, for his band, A Silent Few. And thank you also to Emily Cardamus for doing our excellent logo art. You can follow her on Twitter at Corrupted Gem. If you like our logo art, though, um, join the Facebook group and stay tuned because we have some plans for 2018. Bwahaha. Or as my, my daughter says, moo-ha-ha-ha-ha. ha 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 She made up a cow joke that you could probably construct yourself. But it's only funny if you know how she says moo-ha-ha-ha-ha. Okay. <laughs> oh, kids. All right. I think that's going to do it. Yep. This has been a very non-paradoxical episode of uh, Unabashedly Obsessed. Uh, I'm James. I'm Aaron. Smoking kills. And so do pennies. Oh, the doctors totally still smoked in, two, in the year 2000. <laughs> oh, doctors did? Yeah. The, Great. But their cigarettes uh, lit themselves. Oh. Yeah. What was their take on pennies? I don't know. Probably the kill. Okay. Because so do pennies. Thank you.